Welcome to the Scarleteers podcast, where we talk about our favorite show, Miss Scarlet and the Duke. Welcome back to the Scarleteers podcast. Yay! I'm Amanda. And I'm Lindsay. And we are talking about our favorite topic for the podcast, Miss Eliza Scarlet. Yay! So we have some special guests joining us today. We have Meg and Mary, two of our favorite Scarleteer fans. So welcome, Meg and Mary. Thank Thank you. you. Happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for joining us. It'll be a fun one. So we are talking about Miss Eliza Scarlet. So Lindsay, you love Miss Eliza Scarlet. Meg and Mary, you guys love Miss Eliza Scarlet. Yeah, absolutely. I'm ready. He's my favorite. (laughs) I think you can't like the show without liking Eliza. I think if you really don't like Eliza, then you're definitely watching the wrong show. (laughs) Yes, I would agree. So let's start off with our first question. Kate Phillips plays Eliza and she's amazing in this role. And all of us think we couldn't think of a better actor to play her. So what does everybody love about Kate's performance of Eliza. Um, I've got some nuggets. Sure, spill your nuggets. I'm ready. I've got lots of nuggets for this show. Um, my first thought is like, because I'm very, I'm I'm not an actor. I don't know anything about acting, but I'm very interested in watching people act because I think that good actors pull you into a scene and bad actors pull you out. And she is so good at pulling you in to those scenes. Like there, I, I actually made a little list, Amanda and Lindsay and Mary, I, like of this times when she almost makes you cry. She's so good. Like, okay. and I don't know if you want to talk about it now or if, but when she, I just think that one in season two, episode one, when she's, you know, kind of having that speech to uh, William at the, the end of the, that last scene and she stumbles over the word future She's talking about, you know, will we have a future? And she stumbles up. Just little things like that that Kate does just, like, seem so realistic and really, like, get to the heart of, like, who she is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say ditto. <laughs> <laughs> that's, my, that's my line. Uh, the, other and- list, yeah, the other list is when she bought, I mean, she even, there's an interview with, it's, I think it's funny because there's an interview with Kate when she's talking about when she sees Arabella kissing William, she actually says, uh, Kate says something like, the look on her face says everything. And I'm like, you're the actress. And you look at that, you notice how how good that is. I mean, she just looks heartbroken in that scene. Um, the other scene I think is that scene where in season, I gotta get this all straight, season three, when she, episode five, when she's telling him, telling William she knows about Arabella, like the way she looks at him and looks away. I mean, she just does such a great job of, of, you know, pulling you in and making you really understand how she feels at that very moment, you know, and that's what great actors do. No, exactly. I was going to um, add, you know, what you're saying exactly how I feel. Um, and, you know, I've written by my son who's studying drama in school and I only know just a little bit from, from from what he has told me or what I've observed, but exactly what you said, Meg, which is, you know, um, you don't want to, she just seems so natural, right? You're never pulled out of the scene and say, oh, she's acting or she's overacting or, 
something like that. She's so authentic. She's so believable, right? And expressive. Like you said, even in one scene or one reaction shot, she's just can show like a range of emotions, right? That it's, again, it's so, it's so believable. I, I watch other shows or movies she's been in. And I mean, she is just outstanding in all of them. I think she's a really underrated actor. Um, I'd love to see her in uh, more things. I She just, she is also, maybe it's the blonde hair or, or, you know, um, her beautiful face. I don't know. But when she comes into a scene, like she lights up that scene, right? Don't you think? She's so elegant, um, subtle, calm, serene. I mean, she's just, you know, she's a pleasure to watch yeah. during your acting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I, I concur. A lot of times when I've watched her in other things, the one thing, and I think we've all said this on the group, I wish they used her more. Like she's yes. so good in other things that I've seen her in. And you're just like, why did they not use her more? Because she is so, she's so versatile. And I think like you say, you can kind of pick out scenes and just go, she lit it up. And, you know, I don't think I've ever looked at one scene and thought she phoned that one in, didn't do it. Oh, yeah. Like every single scene. And I think I haven't every done scene. this with season two and three, but season one, I did go because I'm that sad. I was so impressed by her that I was like, she's pretty much in every single scene. And I think throughout mm. season one, that apart from the obviously the beginning of episode five where Eliza is missing, she there's only about seven scenes per episode that Kate isn't in. And I sat there and I just thought, that is incredible for three months, because they obviously film for about three months, to probably not get that much of a break. And there, you know, you must be filming like 14 odd hour days, not get very yeah. much of a break to be able to consistently hold it. And like, I may not like certain episodes, but I look at season three, episode three, and Kate holds that episode beautifully, even episode four. And you think she's pretty much in every single scene in those two episodes. And you just think, wow, like... At no point do you think, God, she looked a bit knackered. She, they probably should have given her a break. Does that make sense? Like, I'm never, I just watch her and just think she is Eliza Scarlet. It's amazing. Yeah, she's Absolutely. a professional. She's definitely a professional. <laughs> yeah. It is her you know, day job, you know. She should be good at it. <laughs> maybe we can. You've ever watched anything with really bad actors, and we all have, like, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like when I'm when I watch a bad actor, I can see I literally in my head can see the words on the page. Um, like yeah. I I can see the script that they're re they're reciting, and there's never ever been a smidge. I mean, and, and not just Kate, but everybody in the show is really spectacular. I guess that's why I'm here. And you know, they they uh, actors learn techniques. You know, that's why they go to school and such. And um, even in Miss Scarlet and the Duke, I can see once in a while, uh, oh, they're doing that technique, right? Or that technique. I never see it with Kate Phillips. You never can say, oh, she's doing this or she's doing that. You never see that. Mm -hmm. So uh, to me, that's a mark of yeah. a really, really good actor. Even like when you think of her posture, because she's, mm -hmm. she said in like season two, 
that yeah. they didn't wear the corset all the time because mm-hmm. it was probably very uncomfortable. I, I genuinely could not like wearing a corset must force you to stand a certain way. And if you're not wearing it, you must be able to relax your body a bit. I couldn't tell you. She mm-hmm. just looks like she she knows how to hold herself when she's walking and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm always amazed at the fact that she can walk at a speed and I sit there and go, <laughs> I'm in like trainers, <laughs> jeans, I'm falling flat on my face, and she's in heels, a skirt that's dragging on the ground that probably weighs an awful lot. Plus she's having to remember her lines, plus she's having to act and react to whatever the other actors do. And I'm just like, honey. You got this. <laughs> you know, and they said, uh, um, you know, if you look at her hair from season one to season two and three, like they kind of lightened it up, <laughs> but they were like that huge, you know, um, hairdo that she had in season one. They said it's pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. So can you imagine yeah. that on your head and you're trying to act, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I can't even um, remember my passcodes. I can't imagine that. <laughs> That people can remember, like, you know, pages and pages of lines. That's that just that alone is amazing to me. One of the other things I wanted to bring up about her is chemistry. Okay, chemistry, Mm -hmm. uh, which is hard to define, but she has got I we know that she and Stuart Martin have amazing chemistry, right, which is so hard to find. But I also found, and I maybe it's chemistry is not necessarily sexual, I guess. But um, when I see her in other scenes, or you know, yeah. like when she's with Moses, yeah, uh, amazing chemistry, right? Amazing yeah. chemistry with Rupert, just with everybody. Her scene partners, Ivy, is she just really connects? You, yeah. you know what I mean? I think that's one of the things that we love is that you know she really has the glue yeah. um, i noticed you didn't say patrick nash uh <laughs> oh nash also i don't want to tick any yeah. uh, you know nash haters off but i love nash People but I, I thought she had pretty good chemistry both negative and positive with him mm-hmm. when he was you know where she's kind of her feathers are ruffled and such right but yeah, I don't know. Do you want to talk a little bit about the chemistry that she has? And I know it's hard to define, but. Yeah, I mean, you you must, there must be like an element of, if you get on with some, you get on with certain people better than others. And, and I think maybe if you get on really well with somebody, that chemistry is quite easy to bring about. But not every person can have it. Like, you know, you watch a certain show and you think, oh, these two actors have got really great chemistry. And then you watch the same actor in a different show with a different yeah. actor. And you think, that just didn't work. And you, there's never really any reason maybe why. You know, I, I hats off to Rachel because the fact that Stuart and Kate didn't, they didn't audition and they didn't screen test or anything. Um, she just saw something in them and, and hey, it worked. And And it sounds like she goes off her gut a lot of the times with other actors that you're kind of working with from you know what you hear from talking to like Evan and things mm-hmm. um but yeah she just she's just very captivating as a as an actress and mm-hmm. and various things that I've seen her in it's not just Miss Scarlet that makes her 
you know, there are some times you just get a role and you think that person is brilliant in that role, but you put them in a different role and it doesn't quite work. But I, I haven't found anything that I've seen her in that you just go, mm, not sure about that one. I just think I, she's great, isn't it? Yeah, I'd love to see her more. I also think there's this kind of, in Hollywood, this idea that if you just put two good looking people together, it'll be chemistry and it's <laughs> not that easy. So it's a hats no. off to them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So talking about Kate, what what is it about Eliza Scarlet? Because she is our main character. We, you follow Eliza through the story, and I think a lot of the story is told through her eyes. What is it about Eliza that we love? Well, I could go first, Meg. Feel free. <laughs> and I've written about my opinion about this on Facebook, and I'm in the science world. Um, particularly I came from physics where there's a really low number of, of women in physics, like 5%. Uh, at least I'm in the medical field, physics application to medical field, and there's about 20% of us are women. That's a big leap, you know, from 5%. So I have a certain perspective on Eliza. And um, I probably defend her quite a bit because you know, um, there's, you know, I feel a connection, I guess, to the character and how the character's uh, been written. So I really like that she's very cerebral, right? Um, she's very analytical. And I've said this before, um, to me, um, what, what, you know, when you go into science or you find your vocation, I guess, or your passion, you just, she feels she's compelled, right, to solve problems, um, puzzles, I guess. Um, uh, you can equate the crime cases to be puzzles, right? Um, I just, just, you know, that to me is what I just, I see throughout the show and she's solving cases. Um, and that kind of will tie into the question later, maybe about her motivation. But um, to, to me, that's what I really connected into uh, with her is, and that does lead to her tenacity, right? And her determination, and she may need a piece of the puzzle. Um, so she'll go to a book. I mean, that's something I would do, right? Um, and if she can't find it in the book, then she goes to people on her team, right? For their real world experience. But, you know, that really, that really, I really connect into, to that part of, uh, of Eliza. I'll let Meg say. Well, I was just thinking, I was going to say the exact opposite in the sense of relating to it, because what I appreciate about her is something that I probably don't have as much as I wish I did. Um, I am fascinated. I mean, they make a really you know big point to keep saying every every episode so somebody says to her you know um you're what kind of questions are there's all kinds of barriers and it is amazing to me uh if if anybody is faced with that many just daily you know daily knockdowns and still has the confidence her confidence in her ability never falters uh so to me that's what I find really interesting about her um you know everybody should have that not everybody does and that's why I like I find interesting about her because she does not ever give up on her you know on her her like Hattie what was Hattie said something about 
you know, um, you know, you are, that doesn't waver with her where, you know, it would be pretty easy to waver, you know. And I can see it from like a different angle. It's kind of the same of what both of you are saying, but because she's an outsider, the very small amount of women in your field that you're talking about, Mary, and the like confidence, because she's such an outsider for most of her life, she always fights for the underdog and the low and the poor and the people that don't get the attention of the police she fights for them and so that's what I love about Eliza that she is taking these cases that you know get thrown aside or nobody wants to help because she knows what it's like to be brushed off or oh you're a woman you can't be this well why not you know so she's the underdog (laughs) I think this is going to be very telling it's like therapy we're all going to find out what, what we like about Eliza has something to do with us ourselves or, or, or great qualities. Yeah. And I, and I always um, say on Facebook too, I hate the, in season one where she, William wants to control her. Right. Mm-hmm. And he locks her up. Right. I just, I hate that. I realize you know, that's a th- maybe a thing from Victorian times, but you know, then you'll notice, okay, that doesn't, that only makes her more determined, right? Yeah. It doesn't control her. So then she's got to figure out, okay, this is my way around William, right? Or whoever she's trying to get around, right? Or this criminal or um, she fi- she's she got to figure out a more clever way, right? To prevent herself from getting locked up so she can get the information she needs, right? So she's she that getting locked up or you know um arrested or whatever that doesn't seem to deter her right because she still has her end goal in mind which is to to solve the crime right which is the puzzle and um and that leads to helping helping the victims i guess one of the things i'm kind of like it's a wish fulfillment I wish I could be like Eliza Scarlet you know I wish I had her confidence I wish I had like you say it's that innate belief in her own skills she's like I'm gonna be a detective and I can do this and I don't care what anybody else says or does like you say the amount of people that kind of go you can't do this you can't do this you you think at some point you'd have that wobble and go maybe I can't and she never has that and I'm like god I wish I was like that I I wish I had her confidence I wish I could you know walk into a room and just you know be like wow and um it's funny because I was having a conversation with my manager about a particular thing and she was like but you're always you know you're always chatty you're always happy you're always this you're always that and I'm like honey I'm a duck you know underneath all of this I'm paddling away trying to keep my calm outlook (laughs) you know I'm not the confident person that you think I am love but I'm glad that I managed to kind of pull this one off but yeah I just it's one of those things that you kind of go god I wish I was like her and there are times where I think oh wouldn't it be nice to see her have that moment of oh god is it am I gonna do this and we may get that in season four because I think she's got a big task ahead of her and I'm really intrigued to see how she takes this on. Maybe we'll get that moment of, can I do this? Have I made the right choice? I don't know. But equally, 
I kind of love the fact that she does we don't have that from her and we she's just yeah. so true to herself and and you know she just she's amazing because she just walks into a room and she always has the right thing to say and I'm like I think of the right thing 20 minutes after the conversation I think why didn't I say that <laughs> and I'm sure most of us have that don't we we all yeah. have that kind of oh I wish I'd said that in that argument and yet she knows exactly what to say and um obviously because she's written by by you know very intelligent writers um yeah. <laughs> so she's not you can wait 20 minutes after that. they thought of it yeah <laughs> yeah, they thought about that three they have 20 ago. minutes to think about their best comeback that you don't, Lindsay. So <laughs> I, I have to say, you know, she it, it's an episode I don't like at all. And that's the I like the beginning of the Arabella in the restaurant, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? But when they got to this, like, you know, when they got to the soup kitchen and she, her confidence was starting to, yeah, you know, yeah. be shaken and they. I felt they, you know, they brought her down, right? They brought her down and William, I know, was trying to help her, but I don't think he was helping her. And I just, and then the next episode, by the way, was her in France with Nash, right? Um, which raised her confidence back, right? Because she solved that really big case and Nash couldn't. Um, Still didn't so get paid I, though. I, say again? She still didn't get paid. I know, Lindsay's she really stuck on the fact that she's not getting paid yet. <laughs> I'm really stuck on this. I'm like, poor the girl. She does all this hard work. I hate, when, I hate it when we see Eliza get brought down because she didn't couldn't do the case, right? I, I realized the whole Arabella thing kind of brought her down in a different way, but... I'm, I'm the exact opposite, Mary. I like to see the vulnerability. I'm an angst person. I like I that. Know, I, I, know. I like to see her. You want a superhero. Yeah. I like to see her. I don't like to see her get her feelings hurt, but it makes her more human and more on our level because we see yeah. her so confident with these cases and trying to solve them that when she gets her feelings hurt and she turns to ivy you know in the kitchen when she's trying to fix her purse and going i made a mess of this i don't know what to do we go oh man we've all had that moment yeah. where we've stepped in it we've hurt our friend's feelings and not me amanda hurt. and so you know it's it's like okay she's more on our level now you know she isn't always <laughs> the most confident even yeah. though all with the cases and all with the comebacks. She's got it. She's got it. She's got it. But there are these moments where she's like, Ooh, I misstepped and everybody's hurt. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Really I, I don't mind the vulnerability like in her personal life. I know that must sound terrible, but I, I want her to like be the top dog for the cases, I guess. I don't know. That's satisfying to me. Um, so any anyway, Mega was trying to say something. No, I was just telling. I'm going to tell Amanda that never happens to me. I'm confident in all aspects of my life. And everything is perfect. But I hear you. Yeah. So we've talked about what we love about Eliza in her adult life. So the younger years. We've talked about this so much in our Facebook group. So what do we think? we know or what do we think about Eliza's childhood and what do we think about what happened in her childhood how has that affected her adult years her adulthood I'm surprised we haven't found out a little bit more 
Like I'm always surprised that over the course of three seasons, yeah. we haven't, we don't really know much more about her childhood other than, you know, what we we saw in episode one, season one. Because even the Arabella stuff is still, it's pretty clear that that happened in the first episode because Arabella is obviously the the character that beat her up. I think obviously we're all slightly damaged by our childhoods and things that happened (laughs) and and things like that. That You know, you probably psychologically psychoanalyze and everything. You can probably pinpoint it all the way back. Um, But obviously Eliza's had bigger problems because her mum obviously passed away. We think doing our little we put on our little uh, Eliza hats every so often and tried to figure out when she, her mum died and we reckon she was about seven based on really? you know, we've got her date of birth and the gravestone and everything so yeah. we think Eliza was about seven so she's kind of in that was in that really delicate sort of age when that happened and and so that is likely to have had an, a major effect but also the whole us British we have the stiff upper lip you know Henry he would have been struggling but he would have internalized that and they probably would have moved on pretty quickly and you know so she maybe didn't get an understanding or they tried to protect her from it a little bit um one of the questions because obviously we put out on on the Facebook group and on Instagram um questions uh Wendy Brooke on Facebook asked do we know how her mother died and Actually, we kind of do, but this may have been a bit lost because uh, one of our lovely fans, Lisa Warren, did an interview with Rachel just about when season two, about a year ago now, when season two first started airing in the US um, and asked her how did Eliza's mother die and she actually died of tuberculosis. So she probably wouldn't have had a long drawn out death, but equally it wouldn't have been sudden in certain ways. And so we don't know how much of that Eliza may have kind of known about and she may have again been kind of slightly hidden from it to save her from catching tuberculosis and things so it's it's that I think has probably had a real pivotal kind of design on Eliza and obviously she's never felt like she fits in and I think we all have that moment where you're like I don't know if I fit in do I fit in and and I think Eliza has then because she didn't has kind of gone well I never will fit in and so I'm not even going to try and she's just full steam ahead I'm going to do something different and I think that's part of what motivates her yeah I think because she grew up with not a lot of friends and basically no family that she grew up just depending on herself Mm -hmm. and that Mm -hmm. it's become hard for her to ask for help or to depend on people Mm -hmm. and to tell them about like her thoughts and her plans. And so it often gets her into trouble, not telling people like where she's going, what she's doing. And, you know, we see that with like cell 99. Oh, she's in the prison and William has to find her. And why didn't you take Moses? Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) You got a few friends. The thing is, is that I feel like she wants people to rely on because, you know, she's obviously very close to Ivy. She's very close to Mm -hmm. Moses. She's pretty close to Nash by the end of season three. So I think she does want people, but yeah, she wants them on her better, terms. But... I, I, I think you have a very good point, Amanda. I never thought about it that way. But yeah, only child, um, maybe a little bit of a lonely childhood, right? She's an introvert, and it's my yeah. impression, right? Yeah. So yeah. she, you know, 
didn't have the mother, I guess, to, um, you know, bring Social her out. Yeah. Right? yeah. Uh -uh. So I, that's a good I, point. I, that's a good point. I have a nugget. Yes. Go for it. Nugget. Uh, um, my, my thought is that Eliza's childhood had so much of, uh, you know, a, um, I'm trying to think of the word. It is so important in the way that she uh, like developed as an adult. I think in some way she's stuck in childhood because mm -hmm. if you think about the two things that we know about her childhood, number one is that um, her father gave her a lot of attention, praised her for her detective skills, kind of raised her, gave her that confidence. So you see where she gets that as adulthood, she got that confidence. And then on the other side, she probably had these girls bullying her and telling her she's going to never be a wife. She's never going to be a mother, all that stuff. So her insecurities were piled on that side. And I think those two things she still carries into being an adult, you know, definitively. Yeah, I would say so. Like you have these thoughts that are planted young in your life and you never have anybody coming in to like answer them or to steer you to a different thought or an answer and so it just kind of compounds and go oh this is yeah I'm gonna grow up alone I'm gonna grow up not having children I'm gonna grow up weird and you know alone so yeah, yeah, I, assume, yeah I assume she internalized that right yeah like and that's why she is why she is as an adult yeah she probably didn't ask Henry or Ivy that hey these girls said this what's the truth am I gonna not have kids what am I gonna how do I get a boyfriend? And so. it's interesting, the flashbacks, you know, to when with the frog <laughs> with Henry and, and Eliza, and it makes you think. Um, it, so obviously Henry saw her intelligence, I guess. And um, why did he teach her? Right. Why did he he taught her a lot of things right about poisons and things obviously that's also a story vehicle for why then she used used it later on I suppose but I was thinking about that the other day kind of he did he doesn't never lived in a girl's world so he didn't realize I guess he was teaching her these things and she maybe thinks that's normal I guess and then she brings it to school and she gets made fun of right he just didn't realize we see that in a flashback right yeah. he, where he's like upset about that but she must if that's the way she grew up she doesn't know that's not normal right oh everyone's father teaches them science right definitely yeah how, how else would she know she wouldn't exactly she would never know yeah and, and I also think she probably because I get the impression and I don't we don't know this but from that moment of the flashback where He's kind of like, right, no more police work for you. It's not healthy. Mm -hmm. How far Henry kind of pulled back? Because I always feel like part of William and Eliza's, as particularly Eliza's competitiveness, is that maybe William got brought in at that point and almost Henry transferred teaching her to teaching William. Mm -hmm. And maybe she yeah. didn't get as much attention. And that's where she's like trying to go well, I'm as good as you are. I'm as good as him. I, why, you're just not teaching me because I'm a girl and he's a boy. And, you know, I feel like that that competitiveness in her is trying to regain her father's attention. Because mm -hmm. I feel like at that point, he's almost like, right, I'm not gonna, you need to become a lady now. And I haven't been doing my job right. Um, 
because maybe he he kind of again we don't know much about her mother but maybe she also enjoyed a, you know a bit of the detective work and maybe Henry and her bounced ideas off each other and then he transferred mm. that onto Eliza which is perhaps why they were so close and why he would sit in a restaurant and go tell me about that person tell me about that person mm-hmm. and and then obviously William then comes along and I imagine that that would be quite devastating to her and maybe that's why she is so determined and that's where she gets her determination from because she's just got I've got to be better than that person good point that makes sense Lindsay yeah so to me to me I uh, uh, we all we can do is speculate right yeah and I think that speculate speculation to me makes sense Hmm. right that because I feel like you know we don't see that when he appears on the scene but um and you know a number of fanfic writers and facebook and everything has had said yeah he's he appeared on the scene took took the father's attention mm-hmm. away from eliza i think that makes perfect sense i think that's spilled over into their relationship and even though it's not said explicitly and we're speculating right to mm-hmm. me i just feel like that's built that competition between them and that's the backstory we don't see mm-hmm. but i mean that's that kind of sad it's said in the end of that season two right when they're Going into play charades. That the oh always- yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, um, you know, uh, competition as far as being like detectives, who's the best detective? You gotcha. know, they, but you're right. They do. You're right, Meg. They do say here and there. It's always a competition, right? It's always a competition with you. So you're right. They do say that, but it's definitely. I think it's come. It came from that childhood where. Williams kind of invaded her space and her father's attention. Yeah. I, I think that's what the speculation is. Yeah, it does seem yeah. more than just your basic sort of just competitiveness. It seems like more of a deep-rooted mm-hmm. reason that they're so competitive with their, you know, trying to solve cases. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do wonder, and somebody on Facebook, Julie Brixby, uh, mentioned this question on Facebook about whether if her mother had lived, would she still have been pulled into being a detective? Would she still feel this? And I think it depends on, again, we can only speculate on that one. It's whether Henry kind of took over and, and taught her and became connected with her in the only way he knew how as being a detective or whether if her mother had lived she would have been pushed down this path of being a lady and whether she would have kind of disputed that or I don't know if that's the right word but I I, I don't know whether it's part of Eliza's personality that she doesn't kind of want a normal so to speak normal for 1882 just to be clear uh <laughs> life um uh or whether she just always has this desire regardless whether it's just innate in her that she wants something different and I suppose that goes with the whole nature versus nurture as to the type of person that you end up being I think that's an amazing question because it also depends on Henry because Henry might have also been different he might not have become such a drunk or bad with money and lost all the money if her mother didn't die and their relationship might have been different he might have i mean he might have been a good father but he might have not have taught her detective detecting 
or mm -hmm. he might not have been as close with her, you know, just been your average nice but aloof father, you know. So it's it's really hard to tell what Eliza would have done, even if she had the detecting drive. Henry might not have taught her the thing, you know. It's it's a really great question, one that we could spend like a whole podcast trying to like <laughs> theorize over because it could lead you into so many what ifs what ifs what ifs yeah. she probably and, wouldn't have met William maybe because definitely I, I imagine Henry took him on to kind of I mean it's certainly again it's speculation about what Henry's thoughts were with, with William and where they met and everything but you know would he maybe she would have had more brothers and sisters and Mm -hmm. again her life wouldn't yeah. have been so lonely because she yeah. would have had that and yeah. you know maybe she would never have met William and well, or maybe, maybe they would have... would have said no I don't want another stray in the house you know sliding <laughs> doors no I wonder though question. and I am by no means a Victorianologist <laughs> so allow me to demonstrate my ignorance um but I wonder if you have a mother in that in that age if she is still alive i'm guessing a victorian mother to a middle to upper middle class to had one job with children especially little girls it was to make them into ladies and get them married off because they know as a woman that was their only opportunity so i have to assume that her mother would have focused on making her you know a marriageable girl because I don't think a mother would think, oh, well, no, maybe she'll follow her own path and, you know, she'll be this, she'll be this, you know, pioneer. Your mother's probably just like, I just need you to wear this dress, mm. put on this makeup and crochet and see if anybody <laughs> takes the bait, you know? Find yourself a good husband. Yeah, yeah, and just find yourself a nice guy. Mm -hmm. and, and actually the it you know her mother's death maybe that's the inciting incident in her life right which she went that pointed her mm -hmm. to a different path right because yeah. the ivy's not going to you know fill that and certainly henry's yeah. not going to do that right so that just put her on another path that was the inciting incident right of why yeah. that happened and Mary, wasn't it you? Somebody brought up on the thing on the board that that uh, like you know, all this, uh, all of the, her trajectory changed as soon as her father died, and it was kind of maybe it was you, Lindsay, that was kind of like, oh, that's sad that he had to die before any of this was put into action. Well, maybe mm -hmm. you know, same thing with her mother. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing because I've always thought whenever because we obviously as fanfic writers like to try and reimagine things, and um. I've always sat there and thought, how could you have the show with Henry alive? And and I genuinely like Eliza would never have been able to take over his detective agency. He clearly didn't want her to be a detective. Otherwise, he would have found some way to to kind of include her. And he so he clearly didn't want her involved in it. No. Um, so she would probably spend a lot of time trying to. Mm -hmm. get him to be hey i'm good yes i i appreciate your talents and, mm -hmm. and yeah Which, by the way nice parenting like dad i'm gonna teach yeah. you all this stuff and then oh shoot uh never mind <laughs> ignore all that let's go back to <laughs> yeah you know, to dance lessons mm. <laughs> yeah yeah 
mean, he's probably just trying to bring her up the only way he knows how. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what do we think makes Eliza a good detective? We've talked about her being raised by Henry and learning his detective skills. What do you think he taught her to make her this great detective? Was it innate or was it these skills he taught her? You know, I I uh I, I guess I'll go first and then sure. I'm sorry. Sure. Um, you know, I, I always harp on this that, you know, she's is written, right, as being extremely intelligent, right? I I always think about I'm a big Sherlock fan and I love them, you know, in particular I love the Benedict cumberbatch you know how just super smart he is right she's not at that level but she's just um you know she's just she has excellent executive functioning if i'm using that term correctly (laughs) right she can bring in clues whether they're what she observes or you know she gets from scotland yard or she gets from other suspects or she gets from books, right? She just seems like she can, um, that's, uh, you know, she can bring it all together, right? That's the way she's written. And that's, she can do it more quickly than William, I think, yeah. or other detectives. I mean, even Fitzroy comes to her. Oh, I got to talk this over with you, right? Um, so I love that how she's portrayed in that way um even when she's trying to solve her father's murder and she's talking to him in the kitchen and she's arguing with you know him and saying you know and he's saying leave it to William and Scotland Yard and she's saying but you know they might miss these small clues right so she's so good at look paying attention to these small clues and sometimes she'll say here and there to William this, that, or the other thing, and he's dismissive, right? Um, no, 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 what, not just him, but others, right? Uh, but she doesn't always let that go. She, You can see her, the wheels turning, right, in her brain as she's thinking things through. Um, so, I mean, to me, that, to me, um, when she doesn't, you can only learn so much from from books and such. Um, and so she needs to team up with someone like William, uh, who's experienced in the in the field. Right? He's got practical knowledge that she doesn't have, and that's why she goes to the autopsy and the to the morgue and and such. Right? So she's still she's interested in that, right? And um, I think in a part of that where she's out putting herself into these dangerous situations, you know, to get clues or to talk to people, I think there's a there's a little bit of her that's also a thrill seeker would be the way to put it, right? Yeah. Um, not that she's unknown, unknowing that she's putting herself into dangerous situations, but it's almost like she gets a thrill out of it. Um, and that kind of drives her, it's opposed to Fitzroy, right? Who is kind of like dropping bullets and is nervous and going out in the field. <laughs> she like has no qualms about going out there because I think she's got, you know, some interest in that, right? Mm-hmm. So I think she brings it all together. She still has a lot to learn, obviously, but 
But I think that's what makes her such a great detective. That's my opinion. It's a good opinion. <laughs> we'll give you top marks. Yes. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I was going to say something similar to what Mary said. I just think, um, again, that's so funny because Mary looks at it at places that she, similar to her. Uh, I look at things that, oh, God, I wish I had that. She's hyper observant. And mm -hmm. I can walk down the street and a band of elephants can walk by me and I can miss it. Um, whereas she's hyper -obser observant and she's also uh, innately curious, I think. That I do have. Mm -hmm. uh, if anybody's taking notes at home. Um, but I, and those <laughs> two things, I think, are what really what make her a good detective. I also think, too, she has, she doesn't, there's several instances or several situations where William... It's with the Sterling in the very first season, and then also with the, the very last episode with the guy who owns the train company. When she's like, "What do you, you know, what do you think happened here? Why do you think they did it?" And both were like, "Ah, they're greedy. They just wanted money." Mm -hmm. Like he seems to be a person of, you know, the most obvious answer is the answer. Mm -hmm. Where she has, you know, more of a more of a um, willingness to dig deeper and not just always take the 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 answer mm -hmm. right on the surface, you know. So I think that's probably um uh, you know how she gets so much success in what she does mm -hmm. agreed yeah eight plus marks mary <laughs> both That's stuff for you do meg yeah don't i get a grade thanks mary <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I think with eliza she it's one of the things that really stuck out to me is the end of the second episode of season two where you've got William kind of going, oh, it's late, let's go home, we'll pick this up in the morning. And Eliza's like, she's not moving. She is She is not stopping right. until she figures this out. And it always kind of, I always sit there and think, God, if I was in trouble, I want Eliza Scarlet on my team because yeah. she is not going to give up until she knows. It's almost like she cannot sleep until she knows that tiny little detail. And and she's just almost like a little bit of a dog with a bone. It's a bit like the scene where in um, A Quarter to Midnight where she's reading that book. I feel like she was not going to go to sleep until she'd finished reading that book or actually, oh, I've got a clue. I can I can get to bed now. I can move on in the morning. Like she's, she's there's just something innately in her that she's just not going to give up. And she's like you say, she's not going to accept the easy answer as the mm -hmm. correct one. She's going to go, no, that's too easy. There's something mm -hmm. more here. Meg and Mary, you use the word tenacious, and Lindsay, you just hit on it. She's tenacious. She doesn't give up. She's going to find that answer, find that last clue. Even if the puzzle's solved, she wants it completely solved. She doesn't give up. And like I said, she always works for the underdog. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She just will go the last mile for anybody doesn't matter who you are she will fight for your cause which is sometimes to her detriment um it puts her in a lot of sticky situations um mary like you said she's kind of fearless to a fault you know moses has had to save her several times you know he says okay wait for me to go with you and she's like i'll go on my own and moses is like girl i'm you know you're gonna get shot and you know, she kind of <laughs> almost is several times and she needs to learn to have patience a, a bit, you know, in situations like that. But like all three of you said, she's 
tenacious. She doesn't let go. She will solve the case no matter the time, the how long it'll take, you know, the cost of not getting paid for the case. Um for Lindsay's sake. <laughs> <laughs> My little bugbear. Uh, so I mean she, she's almost annoying to a, a fault of being so tenacious. But yeah, she she'd be the one you'd want to hire if you were falsely in prison. You'd want to I just watched that one again, Amanda. That you're talking about the one with the that um, Moses followed her when he said he wouldn't, and he did. Yeah. And, yeah. and then later in the scene, he's so angry, and I'm like, he should be angry. I mean, she he probably had something to do, maybe something that was going to bring him money, maybe a job, maybe a boxing gig, and like that is all blown out of the water because she can't he, just he was like wait an hour because he's like yeah. I have something to do wait an hour yeah. he's like i'll go on my own yeah like <laughs> I, I, I just, him too. just wait a minute just wait a hot second moses will go with you <laughs> won't be yeah. raped and shot and like these three men are they were holding guns to you and thank god moses showed up She's like a toddler that just wanders off, doesn't know what they're doing, and <laughs> doesn't know what danger they're in until they're, you know, swooped up and saved by somebody. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that, one of the things I kind of laugh about, Eliza, is that sometimes you just think, do, do you not understand the, the, the world around you? Like, has she really been that protected? But at the same time, she's so super smart that there are times when you're just like, Oh my God, Eliza! Did you not stop and think about your own personal safety here? It's I, I don't quite. That's that one bit of Eliza that I can't quite. Um, I think it might be like sixty forty, you yeah. know, like or maybe like a sixty thirty ten. Like she knows ten percent, but the rest of it, she's all like, I don't know. I I'll be safe, you know, kind of. Yeah, so she may have been, you know, well, gosh, her father's a policeman. You would think she would know about the dangers of the world, but maybe she's, you know, they're writing her as sheltered and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like doesn't know, hasn't been in the bad parts of London. Uh, but I feel yeah. like she's been in enough situations by now. Yeah, she should yeah. be. Or at yeah. least read enough about it in the Police News Illustrated, because I'm sure yes. you read that daily. Yes, um, you good know. point. Good point. Well, I just keep thinking that she 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 knows things have consequences because she has a black eye in the kitchen. Like she knows that you know she can mouth off or say something wrong, and and she doesn't walk you know scot free out of it. Mm -mm. Like she knows she she got punched by Arabella, so she has some. She's not somebody who has lives a consequence-free life so that's no. why it's kind of shocking yeah so I, I I you know I brought up this thrill seeker thing which we I don't think we really discussed that much but maybe she <laughs> gets an adrenaline rush you know from maybe. some of these throwing herself in the these situations it doesn't seem maybe. like it's written that way but but that's I don't know I it just, that just occurred to me I don't know maybe she's a secret yeah Thrill secret, secret <laughs> yeah. thrill secret. That's kind of hard to say. I mean, she must want something else out of her life. Like she doesn't want to be bored. So yeah, maybe that excitement, yeah. that adventure. 
Maybe it's yeah. an adventure thing. The rich but... girl seeking danger. <laughs> Except she's not rich because she's never getting paid. No. <laughs> I suppose that's a trope, right? A story yeah. trope. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, there are count I think we all have countless examples of times where you've just kind of gone, Oh, Eliza, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, you have all these friends who can help you and I, I think that's the one thing I'm curious about season four when she's particularly going to have a team of people that she's going to manage uh, potentially. Uh, how is she going to rationalize that, if that makes sense? Um, I yeah. think how is she going to um, get okay. people to do what she wants? And because she, I, for me, I feel like Eliza's quite a control freak. Mm, like yeah. she wants things the way she wants them yeah. and um if it's i don't know it's, there's just something about her yeah, yeah. it's it, she's it's an only child in... she's an only child <laughs> yes uh, yeah. she's not had it's her way or no way yeah, yeah. pretty much mm-hmm. but at the same time she's such a she as much as she's an introvert when she does connect with somebody like Moses and that she mm-hmm. does scoop them up and bring them with her so I feel like yes. she 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 wants that kind of closeness but again maybe it's just it's on her terms I'm not sure mm-hmm. mm, yeah I mean one really? of the things that I find quite interesting from season one I think season one episode one when Clara Sims asks Eliza, you know, why would you want to be a, a female detective? And Eliza's only answer to that is, well, if you've been told as men- no as many times as I have, you- you'd want to do it. And I-, I kind of, I really wish that question would get asked again, because I feel like we don't necessarily know why Eliza wants this, why she's trying to achieve it, whether it's she's trying to prove to herself trying to prove to her father or William or society or what what is it that kind of drives Eliza to I'm gonna be a detective and that's it there's no like I don't think at the moment she's really got any other plans that's her only goal at the moment is I need to make it as a detective and I'd love to know and and hear from the show what is driving Eliza and what what she is wanting of this detective life uh one of the things i wrote down um you know thinking about what drives her you know at the start of the show after her father passes away i mean her first driver practical driver right she needs to earn a living but what else does she know she doesn't know anything else Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right it seems like that we don't see oh she loves to teach or she loves to take care of children, be a governess or, right, or, oh, I want to work in the dance hall. You know, it, she doesn't know anything except what she's learned from her, observed of her father. Mm-hmm. So to me, you know, that and she figured out she's kind of good at it and it, it you know, satisfies her intellectual curiosity. Uh, so it seems like it, you know, it's a practical thing that drives her towards something you know that's all that she really knows about and you know and that she's good at I guess so I I think she's driven to use her intelligence and and this is kind of what 
she knows. And I always think about the Sherlock um, story, right? The, that's a guy that's super, super cerebral. When he's not solving cases, right? He's like playing the violin and doing heroin. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's kind of like, uh, I, I hope Eliza doesn't become like that, right? But that's um, like, they, they're, you know, she's seeking challenges. Again, I don't think she's at the Sherlock level, right? But she's always looking. Um, I think that's still driving, you know, one of the main drivers, I guess. Uh, this is a Miss Scarlet and the Duke podcast, not a Sherlock podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think you're on the wrong channel. <laughs> Sorry about that. I love Sherlock, though. <laughs> and I think she's written kind of like Sherlock, but, you know, down a few levels, right? And it, by the way, if Rachel knew and the writers go that direction, I mean, Sherlock doesn't really get you know go into serious relationships so not to be a downer not to be a downer words for meg mary i'm not going to tell you this again this is a <laughs> i'm so sorry Rachel new news going that way but i do, i don't watch sherlock so i'm don't have any idea what that reference is oh okay sorry well i think with what drives her at first it's like henry's legacy he mm -hmm. leaves i don't know if they leaves but like he has left the business to her i guess not left the but like it's there so he's left the business to her and so it's money she has she's been focused all her life on the detecting the detective agency so yeah what else is she gonna do she wants to prove herself to herself and to henry and maggie underscore martin 25 asked would eliza's ambitions look different if she didn't live in a patriarchy for example if there was just as many women as men being a detective would she be just as ambitious and that's a good question because all the time she's asked, you know, a woman detective, you. And so, like Lindsay said, Clara Sims asks her why she wants to be detective. And if, you, if you've been told no this many times, what else would you be? And so I don't know if she would be a detective if she's been told no all these times. If there are all these women detectives, if she has been up against all these roadblocks if she doesn't have Henry's business to fall back into. So it'd be be very interesting to see exactly what drives her if she didn't have this business to do. Or if women detectives were, I wouldn't say the norm, but not an unusual occurrence. Would this be a thing she would do? Because we all agree that she is super smart. She is good at puzzles. She's good at being a detective. But would she, when she finds herself at a loss and a need for money, go, oh, let me apply at this woman's detective agency. Would that be her first thought? If she didn't have Henry as a de father detective and her father's agency to still run? I don't know. And it, you know, the show's not answered that question. 
of what drives her other than I need money. I still have my father's agency. I'm sort of good at this. So. I think we, I think we still live in a patriarchy, Maggie, unfortunately. So, um, um, but I think, I I think Mary said at one point, like somewhere that like, she thinks that she was born to do this. And I think she would have done it. She just probably would have had an easier time of it. I'm guessing next season's going to be all about, I mean, it has to be right. Cause you just, about her like butting heads with 20 men. I mean, the whole show has been about how a woman doesn't do this and you're a what and kind of that whole idea. So season four has to have these men. They can't just, she can't just waltz in there and everything be fine. Um, But I think that she is kind of born to do that. I don't think she would be anything else. She probably just would be a lot higher up the food chain, Mm -hmm. my guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, good point. I think think she probably would be some sort of a detective. I think it would be interesting how her outlook would be um, if there were more female detectives because Mm -hmm. we know she's not, particularly good with other women um because of the time that she's in she's looked on a slightly as an oddity whereas i think if if she had more people to relate to maybe she wouldn't feel quite such an outsider and quite so alone so um, maybe she'd have a different perspective on on how she would do do what she does does that make sense no no, Lindsay, you're wrong. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't agree. I don't agree that she's not good with women. I mean, I, I think like there's so many instances, Clementine, Ivy, Hattie, the Hannah woman who owned the Natural History Museum, the mm-hmm. even Margaret, the the suffragette. I think she yeah. gets along with women. I and I don't know why they don't write more friends with her. I think she just doesn't get along with catty women and I don't either. So like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking she doesn't get along with women of her time who only have that whole, uh, I'm going to get married and I'm going to have children and I'm going to sit and keep house and, and that's my role in life. She seems right. to get along with certain other women who um, have the same outlook as her. I feel like a lot of those women have a slightly um, similar view, if that makes sense. Right. All right. Uh, uh, they I'll... say she doesn't get on very well with women. Not me. But it? it's it's been in um I think in a PBS interview, one of the video interviews, where they say she doesn't necessarily have great relationships. And um, I feel like if somebody, it's a bit like when you think of she gets on really well with Moses and she gets on really well with William and, and Nash. Um, but then you look at Basil, who challenges her, and he's not going to bend to her will. She doesn't know how to handle that. And I think it's the same with women where she finds a commonality with them. She gets along with them fine. But when it's somebody like Arabella who looks at her as a bit weird, she shuts down quite quickly, which I totally get in that sense. Mm -hmm. I think that's key. I think that's key. um, What you just said, which is commonality. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if, if we, I kind of buy that she's an introvert and I'm an introvert myself. I don't have a lot of friends, but because it's too much energy spent on miscellaneous people and about I have I have some people that are re, I'm really close to that you know are good good friends so 
like Moses, I think she really connects with him, right? And they have a commonality. Um, and then she starts to get to know him better, right? Um, so to, you know, and Hattie, yeah, she got on a little bit. Rupert, I guess. Um, so yeah, she's not written as having a lot of fr close friends that she's sitting around and having tea with. Um, I think she has very targeted kind of friendships right like you said commonality I think is is key there yeah she's not going to be sitting there pouring a heart out to anyone let's put it that way no yeah yeah Separating. So she, yeah but even Ivy I think Eliza kind of keep, keeps things close to her chest I don't think she she's the type of person who's going to sit there and start having a massive heart to heart with anyone because I right. don't think she looks at like she's I think she compartmentalizes I think that's the right terminology yeah I, I agree yeah. with you there Lindsay I also don't think she's very uh she's really good at, at at studying and being you know observant of everything around her I don't think she's very good at any self-study yeah yeah so we're talking about these really close friends and how she finds commonality with them but oftentimes she also seems to not appreciate them as well as she does. Why do you think she sometimes brushes them off? Like with Moses, she approaches him and she keeps saying like, come do this with me. Come do that with me. Do this, do that. And he goes, well, I can't right now. I have something to do. And she goes, oh, you can do that later. And she doesn't appreciate him and what other jobs he may do. Why do you think she doesn't always appreciate or show the best what they need to do? Um, I I think that's kind of a, a maybe this is telling too. It's like I'm in a therapy session here. Um, <laughs> I think it's kind of uh, human nature a lot. Don't you take it to take for granted the people that you know will always be there and have your back and love you and then the people that you don't know, the new people, the people you don't have a secure relationship with, you're trying to impress them, bring them in. You're trying to be nice to them. Whereas the people, sometimes you're crappier to the people around you than you are to strangers, you know? I, I, I don't think that's unusual in a part of the human condition or maybe just, or maybe I'm just a crappy person. <laughs> um, never mind. forget I said anything. <laughs> agree with you in that sense of mm -hmm. we you, you probably aren't as nice to those closest as you maybe um I mean I have a little bugbear in season two episode three where you have William Moses Ivy all working their backsides off to get Eliza out of trouble and yeah she didn't do it but she definitely got herself into trouble by breaking into the mortuary losing her mother's wedding ring there um but they they all they worked really hard in their own way. They crossed their own lines yeah. where you've got Ivy lying to Mr. Potts when she clearly feels incredibly guilty about it. You've got William, who at that point still doesn't really respect Moses to the best way, breaking his own rule, working with him to get her out of trouble. And we never see her really say thank you. Like when Moses goes to tell her you're all clear, she's all chirpy. Yeah, I already know. Let's go. We've got a case to solve. And you're like, stop and say thank you. And again to William when he goes to her house and she's all like, oh, God, men are so immature. And I'm like, say <laughs> thank you. Like all your friends have really 
worked hard just say thank you because you kind of got yourself into this and you're out of this because of them I just think about the fact that she he left her sitting at the desk and then she he goes to talk to his boss and she's gone like how he's terrible just, does that make him look how much does that put his job on the line like that's you really are screwing over your friend in that at that point you know yeah I mean you could say that she knows that she's gonna get him in trouble so her best thing to do is scarpa I I often wonder if that scene and we'll never know the answer what mm. whether she believes William isn't gonna help her or whether she is protecting him by going, I need to get myself out of here because I can't, um, I can't get him in more trouble. I mean, it, it yeah, I, I just, it, it's mind blowing. Like you say, he, to not even like say, send him a message going, hey, I'm good, but I'm got to get myself out of this or something. Do something. Don't just disappear on him. You know, um, so I'll chime in and, and say, and I've written about this also on Facebook, um, I, you know, they, it's kind of how she's written, I guess. And I can't reconcile these two sides of her uh, because of mm -hmm. how she's been written. So you can see in the first season, she shows a lot of empathy, right, to Clara Sims, to um you know the suffragette bomber uh the lady in the red coat um later you know martin crabtree in the air hunters you know here and there she's showing a lot of empathy um and and so to me i feel like she's a very empathetic caring person right um <laughs> and it's hard for me to reconcile it with these selfish episodes I mean why did she get written that way other than you know she's selfish against her what you all were saying right it's it's these are her friends so she tends to you know have a comfort level uh, has no problem getting them in trouble like she got the whole gang arrested right at the beginning <laughs> of season three and like wow those are all your friends you got arrested right so and it's I, all Moses's <laughs> fault for not being there yeah, yeah, that's right. It is. That's a very valid point. I have a hard oh, that, time reconciling that. The that, empathy, that's, you know, go ahead. I would, no, sorry. Sorry, I'm busting in here. I'm done. I got too many little nuggets that are flying out. Um, I don't think she's that. That's funny that you say that because I don't think she's that empathetic to the woman wearing the red coat. I, I like, she, well, this woman has just found her husband dead. In, a, in her living room and bailed yes. her out of jail and then she's sitting there there's no kind of like I'm so sorry are you doing okay it's just kind of like I by the way you got to make sure you're gonna pay me right like that's what the first thing <laughs> says. so I was always kind of interested in why they didn't write her more sympathetic to that woman good point but she does say oh do you really need to arrest her I guess that's what was on my mind you're right she didn't seem that friendly with with that you know with that person because that person is pretty haughty and you know that's not Eliza's kind of person yeah yeah did, you're yeah, that, you're probably right but she did say at the end does she really need to be arrested you know she's already gone right. through a lot of kind of thing right where she wouldn't have minded if Arabella got arrested right? <laughs> she probably wanted Arabella to get arrested um I think, she was, but anyway. I think she was driving for it 
Well, <laughs> well Mary, I agree with you 100% other than I guess red late red coat lady. Um, mm-hmm. I can't, yeah, I can't reconcile Eliza's, you know, going to the mat and being very empathetic with her customers, her clients, and just being so kind to the people that she deals with. And then going to her team that she essentially trusts with her life and then just like getting them into trouble, getting, you know, treating them so poorly sometimes that I'm like, Eliza, you're better than this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're entitled. Lindsay said, just say thank you. Just say, phew, guys, you saved my bacon with this one. I really <laughs> couldn't have done it without you. You know, give them a pizza party every once in a while. Just something. Don't be so damn selfish, you know, <laughs> especially with the one where she was falsely arrested and she couldn't do much. And everybody, you know, is getting her out. And she just willfully says, oh, yeah, that's your job. And I'm like, uh, oh, guys. <laughs> Well, she even got Solomon arrested, didn't she? (laughs) And it is deliberate. I mean, it's not too hard for somebody to write in there, thank you, you know, pause. Hi, how you doing? Thank you. And then go on with your conversation. So it's deliberate that it's not in there. So they're trying. Well, I I know it's deliberate. I know it's a written show. But to say that it's human nature, I wouldn't do that with my friends. So I would say thank you. Don't touch me, Amanda. So I'm not guessing, <laughs> but when Eliza does that, I'm just like, ah, just yeah, thank no. you every once in a while. You know, I don't need it every single time, but just every once in a while, you know, a $5 bill and a, you know, their paycheck <laughs> saying like, you're doing a good job. Or a finger gun <laughs> saying like, you guys are doing a good job. Finger gun, bang, 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 you know, way to go, you know, like anything to and she does complain to him in that one episode that, that like he doesn't give her enough kudos and like that is rich man <laughs> <laughs> she is so like she's you know, just revving him good for the gander i'm like well you don't give any so why should you receive any you know sorry Mary's a big uh, Eliza fan, so she will always defend her till the death. Yes. I'm an Eliza apologist. Yeah, you are. Lindsay, Lindsay says, uh, Lindsay's a William apologist. She's a William apologist. Yeah. I'm on on Lindsay's team, so sorry, Mary. Okay. (laughs) I don't like teams. I don't like splitting people. Just going out there. We're we're, uh, Miss Scarlet and the Duke label yeah 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 i mean i do think with eliza she she has this level of expectation of those around her that i don't know if it's because she would do the same for them like if they were in trouble she would go hell for leather to get them out of trouble and you know that you she would if william moses any of them yeah got locked up she would be on that at that gate at that door banging it down and and working it and and so maybe in her mind I don't need to say thank you to you because this this is how this friendship works you know you go for the mat to the mat for me and I'm gonna do the same for you like 
it, she doesn't maybe realize she needs to say thanks for your help there because in her mind it's just the way friendship works I, I'm gonna I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't expect to thank you for getting you out of jail why do <laughs> I need to thank you for getting me out of jail does that make you, you, you know all, what I mean yeah, it does except that you can also go back to that time where she's walking in Scotland Yard with William and she says something you know uh, that boy could use a good Mm-hmm. Um. Well done. She's talking about. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So she knows people like that. She's, exactly. She's not oblivious. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You're right, and she she likes it when William compliments her the few times. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Your company. I mean, you can see on her face. Exactly, Mary. Um, <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Mary. Well, hopefully. See more praise from Eliza in season two. Let's talk about Sherlock, Mary. (laughs) (laughs) Sherlock doesn't thank anybody. Oh, no. Meg, you have to... Oh, I I, I don't want to put a plug in for Sherlock. (laughs) Go ahead. So, um... We're gonna we're gonna split this podcast into two. So, this is our last question for this one, and I think it's a really good one. Um... At the end of season three, Eliza tells Moses that she wants many things. She wants to achieve many things. And what do we think that she wants? Because we've obviously had a bit of a conversation on Facebook about this. And Sabrina from Facebook suggests a bigger office, maybe a team, maybe more money, more fame, more success. What what, what do we think Eliza's big picture is? Because for me, I love is pretty low down on her list of um, priorities right now. Not saying that she never wants to have love in her life. It's just not on her priority list. I think she's probably got a bit of an order and these are the things that I got to achieve before this happens. Uh, but what do you guys think? I, um, if it's okay with Meg, I'll go first. I have a, is that okay, Meg? I, I, I allow you. Uh, thank you, ma'am. Um, I have a list of nine. And um, maybe and, not. Um, eight is the maybe someday relationship. So let me go through the other ones. Some of these are like, you know, just my total speculation kind of thing. But um, but the first one, and she says this to Moses before she gets the invitation from Nash, right, to to join him. So I think she, you know, number one on her list was to build up her office, right? We know that was number one on her list. It, it, Rupert was an investor. Um, she went out for a bank loan. And I think she was influenced by the Mrs. Parker speech. Um, not, you know, do you want to be alone and, you know, no husband at the end of the, you know, of your life, but mainly you need money. If you're into your old age, right, to keep you warm, I guess. So to me, that was number one. Um, Now, you know, Nash hadn't come on the scene, but I think, you know, if she amended her list after that, I felt she would wanted to use Nash to become, in that situation, become financially stable, build her reputation. I think she still wants to do that, right? regardless of whether it's Nash or not, and have a team for field work, right? We know she got all her friends arrested because they were out doing field work for her. She needs a team, and we know she has Moses, but um, I think, you know, that's something that was probably on her list, right? I, I 
put my own number three in there. This is probably not on her list, but it would be Benedict, Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Meet Sherlock. Yeah. Fall in love. <laughs> um, but does she want a team of women detectives? Oh, God, I hope mm -hmm. that's on her list. I really do. I hope she kind of makes that happen, at least down the line. A number four is um, on her list. I feel she wants to learn, like, how to shoot a gun and, you know, use her, you know, have a better knife. Um, like, be just become... You know, that part is lacking for her that policemen can do. Um, I really hope that's also on her list where she can become proficient at, you know, with weapons, um, basically. Huh. Huh. I, I, I think she wants to be in a position to be called upon to solve the big cases, right? Um, that suffragette bombing case was a big case, the forgery case, the Hotel St. Mark case, someone did approach her, that homemade bombing, you know, in the last, very last episode, some of those just kind of fell in her lap, you know, didn't know they were the big cases, but I, I bet she really wants to be like, okay, let's go to, you know, the Scarlet Agency, because they can solve this. Um, I put, is she more interested in travel? I, I don't know. I mean, she did go to France. Um, so if there's a case involved, I think travel might be on her list. Um, I'm coming to the end. Number seven, I think <laughs> money's not her top priority, but I think she, you know, you can see when she was got that advance from Crabtree for the, uh, air hunter episode, she and Ivy went out and bought new hats and chocolates and champagne and they eliza said oh let's buy new furniture so i mean she's not totally immune to having some luxury around her right, right. so i think she wants to have some wealth so she doesn't have to worry about that right and and she can have some um you know some niceties niceties of life number eight is the maybe someday she said that during the spirit world um uh, episode you know when she was asked that by the photographer's assistant you know she said maybe someday about marriage I, I don't remember if they said children but um maybe that's on her list I, I think it's on her list I think it's pretty far down it's pretty far down and then my made up in my head number nine I wish that was on her list that Eliza and William would open their own agency Grow it together and run it together as a team. That's what I want. That's my, uh, uh, that's the, you know, the number I would put on my list uh, as maybe the last thing that she gets to. So anyway, that's my list. I like um, that list. Okay. Yeah, very comprehensive. Yeah, I like that very long and full life, love, lived long list. You would also like a. Uh, like a ring with a small stone in a box <laughs> with the color and for their <laughs> and they'll have 2.5 children named this this and this yeah um, I, that's funny i i approached it completely different uh Lindsay. i kind of approached it from the sense when you asked that question like what was not so much what does she want but what did she, what was she answer what question was she answering moses i just thought when she was answering, I want lots of things to Moses, I don't think she was thinking about children, love, mm -hmm. marriage. 
I think she was thinking strictly her career, notoriety, money, and things like that, because I don't think she allows, again, speculation, what the hell do I know? Um, But I don't think she allows herself to go down that relationship road that much. So I think she was answering that when she was saying, I want lots of things. I don't think a relationship was part of what she was implying in that answer. I agree. I agree. I don't think it was on the list at all. Uh, Ditto. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think that means that she doesn't. I just think she's never, she's again, very non, she hasn't thought a lot about that stuff. Yeah, I agree. I feel like she hasn't like completely written it off. I I, I don't think that she is, I'm going to be a spinster for life. I'm just going to have my career. I don't. And I think in terms of the show, if, if you had Eliza have that, then the will they won't they is completely off the cards and then you, you may have slightly killed half your fan base. Um, so you could never have her go. I'm never getting married. I'm never doing this. Um, we may um, revolt, but um, I do think you know she's got things that she wants to achieve, and um, a bit like you say, she's probably maybe she just. I would say she hasn't met the right person, but obviously she's met William. But she's not. I don't think that the relationship between Eliza and William is so some do do we like each other do we not like each other do we want more do we not want more I think she just kind of hasn't met somebody else who could maybe make her think oh maybe I could do this because William's pulled back so often and of course we've seen him with Arabella and with Betsy um that maybe she just thinks it's it's not something I've not met somebody who who ticks those boxes and maybe William is gonna just have to step up and and show her for her to actually go, oh, maybe this is a possibility. Are you trying to make me cry, Lindsay? (laughs) (laughs) No, no, because I I do firmly, I'm a, a, you know, William and Eliza fan through and through, and I I will be absolutely devastated um, if nothing happens between them. And I, you know, I have my heart set on season four like something's gotta give because if it doesn't (laughs) I'm not sure what I'm gonna do so I'm you know I'm I'm out there kind of going Eliza you need to I for me the one thing that I can't um really resonate with Eliza like I have a really hard time um connecting with her on the fact that she she's so focused on her career that's the only thing that's in her her vision in a way and I'm a person of balance like I love my job I really do love working um you know I, I think I had like nine months when I had my little girl where I was made redundant between jobs and I love being with my little girl but oh my god I wanted to find some sort of work and some sort of balance because I needed that so I do understand that from her but to be so solely focused, to not even waver a little bit at times, to kind of go, oh, maybe I do like William, maybe I don't, I don't, that's the bit, I want balance, I want her to have balance, I don't think any of us have gone, oh, you know, when she marries, she's going to give up her job, and yes, in the Victorian times, that is probably a big thing that would have happened, and we're all sitting there going, I don't want that, I don't want her to give it up, but I want her to have it all, I want her to have her career and love in her life, Um, and yet Eliza doesn't necessarily give that feeling that she wants both does that make sense but I don't know if that's maybe because she doesn't know she can have both that she yeah, doesn't yeah. give off that vibe 
Yeah, I, I, I totally, yeah. I totally agree with you. And um, I think we're, I mean, most of us at least are, I mean, we totally want this to happen between Eliza and William. And, but um, it's just, she's, at least for these seasons, maybe even into season four, it's totally focused on financial security and, you know, using her intellect, I guess. Sorry, Meg, I interrupted you. No, I was just going to ask a quick question. I know uh, Lindsay's trying to wrap up and Lindsay and Amanda are trying to wrap up, but I wonder if they, when, when and if we ever do get the trailer for season four, do you think if there is some kind of romantic moment, um, I'm talking smooches here, do you think they would tease that on the trailer? And if it wasn't on the trailer, would you assume it's not coming? I wouldn't expect them to because you want to be surprised. I always <laughs> go back. But then having said that, I yeah. my biggest fandom, Gilmore Girls, I was a massive, huge Luke and Lorelai fan back in the day. I'm sure people who have listened to the podcast know this. Um, I remember exactly where I was when they kissed. <laughs> I remember season four, uh, the final episode, but I'm pretty sure that they did put it in the trailer thinking about it now, because I remember thinking, oh my God, they kiss. Oh my God. And But then I had to watch the episode because I was like, oh, oh my God, they kiss. I don't, I don't think so, they'll put it in the trailer, but I, I wonder don't. if they'll put like the leaning down, like him looking at her and leaning down. And so everybody goes, holy, holy, oh God, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they they may well oh my oh god there's a there's a catch to it do you really oh, I guess I want to be surprised um so I don't necessarily want to I, I don't know because I'm obviously not going to see it when you guys see it because you're going to see it in in um January and on a Sunday night um, and and I probably won't see it unless some very kind friends allow me to invade their home via video link um, and watch it with them. But for me, that will be like two, three in the morning. So <laughs> I'll have to do it at a slightly more reasonable time. But um, so I'm sitting there going, am I going to not No, Am I going to be spoiled if something like that happens? Um, probably. Uh, but yeah. I also I like the element of surprise. And you didn't get off the Internet, Lindsay. You were. <laughs> I want to join in the fun. In I'll have FOMO. Me. I'll have fear of missing out. So I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe they will kind of tease a little, I don't know, kitchen moment where they're both kind of looking at each other and you think, oh, maybe. Um, but then it'd be really sad if they teased it and nothing happened. Well, um, we had the hand moment where we thought, oh, maybe. Mm. And yep. it was all just that's what it was yeah well for the question i think eliza truly doesn't know what she wants she knows that she's ultimately unhappy but she can't or is not willing to put voice and thought to what is making her unhappy and what can fulfill that void uh which is a relationship with william and or some sort of family or relationship to share her joys with so until that moment comes it doesn't matter how much fame or wealth or status she gets unless she has somebody to go home with or to walk to and share whiskey to you know share with it's going to be an empty joy so yeah agreed uh, 
what a way to end the episode. Okay, bye guys. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, she can have all the success she won wants at Nash and Son, but unless she can go home to William and say, Oh, I had such a great day. What's the point? I, I you know, and I I put it on another question, but um also, you know, if you don't I don't want to impose children on everyone for this reason, but you know, when you do have children, you can pass on, you know, things that you know about and what you're good at. And like Henry did to Eliza, right? So she will kind of know legacy the, her legacy is going to, yeah, you know, come to an end if you're not continuing Not not that that's only the only reason you have children. But it is missing a big part of life, I think. Yeah. If you don't have the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Well, ladies, it's been fun to talk about Eliza with you, too. We're going to wrap it up because Eliza's so, such a rich character. We're going to talk about her on the next podcast. So um, if you listeners, if you've not followed us on our social media, we have a Facebook page, uh, Scar Tears Podcast. Um, we have a Facebook group, Scar Tears Podcast. We have an Instagram, which is Scarlet Tears underscore podcast. We also have a website, which is scarlettearspodcast.wordpress.com. So find us and listen to all our past episodes but it was lovely talking to you ladies thanks for joining us meg and mary thank you thanks, thanks for including us yeah so um stay tuned listeners for our next episode we will talk about eliza again so bye-bye <laughs>